Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing A Burden by Portrayal of Guilt, featuring my pal Matt King on guitar and vocals. Comer Aguilia actually played Portrayal of Guilt's first show back in Austin, Texas in 2017. I guess Matt doesn't think as highly of those first Portrayal shows as I did of them that night. Hear us talk about that later. Let's see. Born in San Antonio, Texas. Um, this was a while ago. This was in 90. Um, I, I was born there, but I lived in Del Rio for a while. Um, not too much really went on growing up that I can remember. I don't have such a great memory there, but, uh, basically I lived in Del Rio for a few years, moved back to San Antonio for maybe up until I was like, I want to say 14, I guess. And then my dad, who was in the military at the time, was stationed in England. So I had to move over there with him. So I lived in the UK for a couple of years in like, I guess, eighth and ninth grade. Um, that was cool. I went to an American school. It was uh, it, it was kind of weird, I guess. It's hard to describe what that would be like. Being on base is, like, weird. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, like... It's like... Uh, it's like the Economax version of, like, normal public school, I guess, in a way. Like, it was just very plain and bland and then... Put in, uh, Let's see. It was always gray over there, so I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I was only there for a couple of years, so it didn't really impact me too much. But um, I guess that's around the time I got into music, though, because uh, what was it? Because my well, my parents divorced when I was young. I guess around like when I was eight. So when I moved to England, my mom stayed in in America. So that was a little bit difficult for me, but she would. She would send me CDs and stuff that I would ask for because when I was living with my dad, I wasn't really allowed to do much of anything, uh, literally anything. It was very strict, um, but I was able to at least get a guitar and a bass, so I was able to at least dabble around with that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I moved back to America maybe when I was, let's see, how old was I? Maybe 16? I guess, I don't know, I had a lot of like issues at home and stuff with like my dad's side of the family and whatnot. So eventually I just like, <laughs> one day just had enough and like called my mom to come pick me up and then I never looked back. So it was kind of like a weird situation there. Um, but yeah, like I guess that was around when I was 16 to 18 or something like that. Uh, and then after that, I was on my own. I I just like left home and kind of did my own thing and kind of learned how to live life the hard way and you know went through some shit. But 
all in all, I'm here now. So yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You said your mom sent you CDs. Uh, w- like when you were living at home with both your parents, did did your mom listen to a lot of music around the house? Um, I want to say yeah, but I don't really remember too much. Like, I guess since my parents divorced so early on. I would go back and forth a lot, and uh, I, I mean, there was a clear difference between my mom and my dad. And my mom was a lot more lenient. She always was more, um, what's the word for it? Supportive of of like things that aren't generally the norm as far as like growing up. But I did definitely go through her CD collection at some point. And I really try to remind. She was, I there's very few bands that I remember from her little inventory, but I mean, she was listening to like, I think it was like REM and Shakira and Lifehouse and uh, Smashing Pumpkins and just stuff like that. I don't know. She's her, her music taste is all over the map. But at the time, she was also a teacher. She was teaching. I think she was teaching middle school or maybe high school at the time. And like, from what I can remember, I, I almost want to say like students of hers would come over and just like, I guess like smoke weed and stuff and like hang out and talk about music. These were like hipster kids from high school, I guess. Yeah. So like in the 90s, like hips, 90s hipster kids or whatever, that art kids, because my mom was big into art and stuff. Um, but I didn't really take too much notice to that. Um, but yeah, she, I can't say she really listened to like too much music around me. I, I guess I didn't really like catch on to like music in general until I guess I was like in middle school or something like that. Because I would listen to the radio. I mean, I guess you know we we had a radio in in my room, you know, when I was young, and so I would listen to like you know whatever was on the radio at the time yeah so like 90s hits or whatever but i, I yeah. guess like i mean i i guess i really didn't get into music honestly until i was maybe in f- well actually i guess fourth grade or something like that because i guess that's around the time tony hawk's first gear came out that had to be it yeah i just specifically remember listening to like blink 182 corn uh, Limp Biscuit, Rancid, like a really weird selection of of bands, but they were all on MTV. Um, but yeah, I think that's MTV was on a lot at my house with my mom, so I, maybe I was a little influenced by that. I yeah. guess what was it? Whatever was on TRL at the time. Yeah, yeah. Did what when you were like listening to? You know, bands like that. Did you already have it in your mind that you want to play an instrument? Uh, no. Not I really. at that time I was basically just trying to skateboard. Like, obviously, I feel like anybody that uh, anybody that got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater around that time probably was influenced to start skating. So that's kind of what I was obsessed with. Um, I I was thinking about this earlier randomly, but I was trying to think about why I even started playing music in the first place, which is like kind of a random thought to have. But when I'm at work, I kind of just think about things. Uh, 
but I remember watching like Blink-182 DVDs and stuff like that, Warped Tour DVDs and stuff like that. And I, I guess that's kind of where the interest in playing music came in because uh, I remember buying a bass. A bass was my first instrument. I had bought a bass because of Blink-182. And all I wanted to do was learn Blink-182 songs. And then I guess after that, I remember really like like being into AFI and wanting to play the bass parts from the AFI songs and stuff like that. And then Anti-Flag. I was just obsessed with like bands with ridiculous bassists like Rancid. Matt Freeman's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, like, just ridiculous stuff like that. But, I, I mean, I, I don't... I kind of went through just a lot of different phases just because of whatever was going on in my life at the time. Yeah. But, I like, I think I was mainly into skateboarding just from pretty much, like, right when I found out about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, which had to be fourth grade, up until around when I was, like, 16. Because... Initially, uh, like, initially, the only reason that I even started playing in bands is because I had a girlfriend in high school who uh, had, I guess she was joining a band with some people and they needed a bassist and I had a bass. And so she was just like, I guess she just thought that I would be, be a good fit for that. So she... Uh, brought me to go hang out with them one time and then I just started jamming with them and randomly that band uh, if you've heard of Sons yeah the band from San Antonio yeah. that was my first band ever and I played bass in that when I was 16 but then I got kicked out like maybe a year later and I think it was because I was too young but I don't really know <laughs> which is um, strange you said that w you were watching the Warp Tour videos and that was like there was some something there that appealed to you and made you start thinking that playing in a band might be possible. What what exactly was uh, what attracted you to it? Like as far as those videos were concerned, was it just like the band, like the live energy, or was it like the whole energy of the situation, or something else? That's a good question. Um, I get maybe just. I guess it had to be like the energy because mainly I would watch the, the the DVD that I had had to be it was and all I know is anti-flag was on there I can't remember exactly what the year uh, was but it was like a, such a ridiculous lineup but anti-flag was one of the bands uh, that I basically would watch the DVD for in the first place I don't know I was just so obsessed I think I was just like obsessed with bass at the time and like so I the songs that they had played had, were like a couple of my favorite songs so I would just kind of watch it for that but I guess I never really thought about playing in a band like I I don't because I definitely jammed with people before but it was mainly jamming covers like anti-flag covers or like at the time I think it was like distillers covers or uh rancid operation iv covers and stuff like that um but yeah i mean honestly i didn't even really i wasn't even like hyped on playing in a band or anything like that until i was i was just sort of like accidentally put into the situation uh-huh uh which you know like 
I didn't really know what was going on. And at the time, I had just played bass, and I I wasn't like great, but I was just doing it to. I guess just spend time with my girlfriend at the time, but then it, I guess it just sort of evolved from there. Cause like right after I got kicked out of that band, I uh, started a band with one of my friends at the time, and uh, that didn't last like too long. But it definitely that er- that era of time got me into music because whenever I was playing in Sons for, for the brief period of time that I did, I met this dude named Richard. And he was like, I guess a promoter or something at the, this venue we played at out of town one time. I think it was like our first show we played out of town. And like, he didn't ha- have a place or like he was in between places or something like needed a place to live. I don't remember how he became friends. I don't remember any like details there, but I remember just being like, uh, yeah, you can come like live at my house for a while if you want. And like for some reason, my mom was cool with it. But uh, he uh, he brought his computer, and I remember he, at the time I th- I was like on LimeWire and like Kazaa and BearShare and SoulSeek and all that stuff around that time. Mm-hmm. But like very lightly, I was more looking for like skate videos or like I don't know, mainly skate videos. Um, but he had a, a ridiculous hard drive full of music on his computer. And he just like, he put it on my computer and on that was like literally pretty much any sort of like screamo band that you could ever think of. Like, that's how I found out about like page 99, majority rule city of caterpillar, uh, like mass movement of the moth phoenix bodies fuck like so many bands just like literally everything that you can think of was on there yeah so that i that's how i kind of discovered that kind of music and then i guess at that point i sort of became obsessed but at the time i was like so new to playing in a band and like just you know doing that whole thing that you know being in a band like that even wasn't even in my mind at the time. I was just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Like, I like this. Yeah. But it's just kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So when you said that you joined Sons, like, sort of by accident, and you you never played mm-hmm. in a band before, when you went and I'm, I'm assuming you were learning, mm-hmm. like, their songs, were you, were they saying, hey, play this? Or were you automatically, like, I'm going to figure out my own stuff or a mix of the two or I think it was like a little bit of both I think just because I, I guess I hadn't really like jammed in a setting uh, where everybody was together like that before so it was kind of all new to me and like I I wasn't you know f- like fully at the time I didn't like fully understand how to go about writing songs and stuff like that. So I, I think it was a little bit of, yeah, you can like maybe play something like this. I definitely wrote my own stuff or like my own parts, but it was definitely not just like completely uh, out of thin air. Like I, I definitely had some direction from them Yeah. with that. And I think, I mean, they didn't, I don't even think that they had any like songs or anything like, uh, it was just straight up writing. Oh, okay. So yeah. that 
that initial like when you're you know when you're part of something that's like creating something that you've never heard so was that like kind of like what hooked you yeah i guess i guess so i mean again at the time like it was just so new to me that i didn't really understand and i was also just caught up in other things too yeah like you're you know i was i think i was a maybe a sophomore in high school and so i was just going through it you know Mm -hmm. so i was like paying no attention to like really playing in a band but it was cool it was fun yeah and like the majority of the band was already in college and stuff so it was like cool to hang out with them and stuff like that yeah and you said you did play a show with them what yeah, was that like? I think we played too. Um, it was cool. It was definitely interesting. Um, I almost want to say that there's a, a YouTube video that exists of that show, but I'm not sure it even is still available anywhere. Yeah. But it was definitely stressful for me just because I like, again, I've, I've never played in front of anybody. And uh, I remember they had, one of the things was, that they had wanted us all to kind of go crazy, which made sense. Because this band, honest, at the time, they sounded like the Blood Brothers. I mean, they always did, to me, in my opinion. But, like, I didn't just... Playing a show just didn't register to me. It was just kind of awkward for me and weird, I guess. But, I don't know, it was all a learning experience. Yeah. Where was the show? Um... God, I wish I could remember. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was in Kirby, Texas. I don't know where that is, but I remember it's called Kirby. Okay, was it like uh, a house or? It was a venue. Um, damn, I wish, like, I can't really remember who the show was even with. I almost want to say there's this band from San Antonio called The Grasshopper Lies Heavy. Uh, they've been around forever, but I'm pretty sure, or no, no. Holy shit. I think the show is actually with Tentacles of Flower, which, uh, who became Tentacles, which is, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was a long time ago. So they were still Tentacles of Flower and there was like different members. Um, but yeah, actually the show was with them. I want to say the Grasshopper Lies Heavy also played, but I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Now they think about it, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's wild. And it, you end because you ended up doing like tours and stuff with them later on, right? Uh, it, uh, tentacles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, we never toured, but we definitely played some shows oh, okay. together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just I thought there was like a tour or something because uh, at one point I thought you were in that band because you were in a photo with some of them, and I was like. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, I was just like, was wasn't Matt in Tentacles? And somebody was like, no, they just you know probably toured together. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were good friends and stuff. So yeah, for sure. They're just like they were just the best ones. My favorite band from <laughs> San Antonio.
What was the first band that you got going where you were like writing your own songs and you were taking it like trying to take it a bit more seriously and you know you were in the right space to do that? Hmm. Well, let's see. I mean, the as far as like writing my own stuff. I mean, it started early. Uh, I played in like a, I guess I would call it like it's weird because the the first band I was in, it's still something I would enjoy. But then like the, the couple of bands that I played in after that was just I think I like. I guess around the time I was 16, so this had to be like oh six. So that's around the time like I had my scene phase, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was discovering all of like the scene bands and the deathcore and all that stuff, and I was definitely into that at the time. So I sort of like just like was led astray a little bit onto doing uh, that kind of thing. And I mean, writing that kind of music is is pretty pretty easy. So I can't even say that I was very creative doing that. But I guess, like, I hadn't really taken too many bands too seriously. Like, I had played in this band. It was like, I guess it was like a deathcore, metalcore band for a while. And we played shows with, like, fucking, like, Veil of Maya and, uh, oh God, so many, Whitechapel. And, you know, all the good ones like that. Right. But I guess eventually the time where I started taking things seriously and starting writing was I played in this band called Hope of Divine Mercy. They're from San Antonio. They were like, they used to be a deathcore band. They were like, I guess, doing pretty well in San Antonio. But they turned into a hardcore band, much like... mm, I want to say maybe something along the lines of like modern life is war or uh, damn have heart or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was really into like bands like that, you know, like straight edge hardcore, uh, just general like traditional hardcore bands. Uh, But I was playing bass in that band, but I was able to sort of write some stuff. So I was I was still playing bass at the time. And then not too long after starting to play in that band, I sort of was trying to figure my own life out. And then I guess around that time is where I decided that I wanted to write my own stuff because um, eventually, like, I don't know if I realized that, like, the band wasn't really doing too much or I guess maybe I wanted more out of it or I kind of wanted to do my own thing, I guess. So I sort of just, like... fell away from it uh, for a little while and uh, started writing my own stuff and I started a band called Illustrations and this had to be this had to be in 2010 I guess and it was with a couple of friends and uh, I wrote all of the guitar parts for the first release that we did and uh did the vocals as well but then ended up just doing vocals and getting some other friends to play guitar um but with that band i was only really doing vocals so honestly i like as soon as i stopped playing bass in that other band i just started 
doing vocals in this band. So I, I honestly wasn't writing anything. I was just like focusing on writing lyrics and like, I guess sort of trying to figure out how to grow a band, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I, the most of the creativity was through, uh, I guess, more of the artistic side of like trying to figure out, uh, you know, I guess the aesthetic or like what you're going for. Uh, I don't know. It was just, I, I also went into that pretty like blindly as well. But uh, we were a band from, I guess, 2010, 2011 to... Uh, like 2016 to like maybe right before 2017 um but damn yeah like i was doing illustrations for such a long time but again i was only doing vocals so it's like i can't say that i was uh too much of a part of that band musically i guess yeah well i was i was gonna say i i didn't realize that y'all had been around so long because um I, you know, I remember when the last LP came out and it, you know, at least as far as Bandcamp is concerned, it says it was, says it was released in um, May of 2017. So I suppose that was like posthumous release, like. um, Oh, maybe. But um, yeah, so how, how, there was only two LPs on Bandcamp. Was there a lot of stuff that just didn't make it onto Bandcamp that y'all worked on over the years and stuff? Or, um, Well, so that the first album that we did had five songs on it, and I had written all of those songs and was sort of like, you know, that, that's like the first band that I guess I started and sort of was trying to figure out, you know, other people to play in it. Uh, so I had a few people come and go at the very beginning. And so like after that release came out, I, th- I think maybe I had like written one other song. I was kind of just trying to decide musically where I wanted it to go. And then uh, I met this dude named Nico who played guitar in another band in San Antonio at the time. And we just ended up hanging out and like it just, we like talked about it and he started writing he, he, I asked him if he wanted to join the band, so he did. And then he started writing maybe like in 2013 or 2014. So there's like a there's like a first release and that we were like on MySpace at the time. So I would say that like that release and then the release after that, which is it was like a three song tape where where Nico started writing the songs. There was that and I and I guess those two things sort of like uh died with the myspace kind of thing oh right um and then everything after that we were kind of like okay well, let's see what's up because we ended up like i guess like whenever i was doing that band in the earlier earlier beginning i became friends with bobby who does ghost is clear mm-hmm. and i'm not really sh- i i can't even remember how i met him obviously it was on myspace or something like that but we ended up doing a split with this band called Wolfmouth, who was also from, I think they were from Columbia, Missouri. And we ended up actually touring with them as well. Um, I don't, I guess the, that split's not even online either. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think it is. I think the I think the reason that only the two LPs are on Bandcamp is just because like that's kind of when we figured or figured out what we were doing. Yeah, and just like our best efforts, and that's kind of how uh, we figured would be best to be remembered by. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess like the two releases that we're most proud of. Yeah. Um, but like it was sort of weird. Like towards the end of that band, it was just like a weird falling out. Like uh, uh, me and the guitar player Nico. Like I don't know. We're, we're friends forever. Like when you hang out with somebody so fucking much, like things just change. And like so, or sometimes things just change and get weird. I guess it kind of did uh, with us. And uh, at some point, I just kind of had enough and like decided that I didn't want to do it anymore but earlier on like during I guess it was because initially for that second LP James the drummer who's the drummer of Portrayal of Guilt Mm -hmm. he joined our band and was playing drums and so he played drums on that album and uh, I had known James forever so uh, having him play drums just made perfect sense um so we did that record and then we did a tour with the fall of troy which is really random but we it was like a month long um it it did not go well for us it was pretty pretty miserable i think that's kind of what the downfall was we just like went on that tour we didn't really have any money we really weren't really prepared and shit it just went to fucking shit from there but once we got home from that and i was just kind of fed up with things that's when i like i was already kind of writing my own shit at home because i i guess i sort of like felt compelled to write my own songs and i guess this throughout the entire era i guess of illustrations i i had a guitar and I would still write songs, but they, I didn't really have anywhere for them to go. I was just kind of like writing songs for fun. So I had, you know, a few riffs here and there and a few maybe like song structures or whatever. But um, uh, as I mentioned before, I, I have known James and have jammed with James for such a long time that uh, I was, I had just hit him up like, hey, so. I kind of want to start a heavier band, maybe sort of more along the lines of like a like a screamo band, reminiscent to like the stuff that I was into, like some of the stuff I was first into. Like I had always listened to that stuff from when I found out about it, to you know when we started our own. But I guess I just, you know, I was just so caught up in other shit that I, you know, it just didn't become such a such a big deal in my life. I guess until i sort of like rediscovered it or you know when you like listen to stuff so much that you just burn it out and you just like put it away for a while yeah sure that's kind of like that's kind of like i guess what happened with me but uh yeah like right at the end of illustrations uh me and james ended up jamming with our friend blake and uh we wrote three songs just kind of for fun it was just a side project like we we were just doing it for fun because we were still kind of doing illustrations but we ended up writing these songs and we were like fuck it let's just go record it you know it sounds cool and then we did and then uh fucking named it and 
at that point, I was, I just like sent it kind of everywhere. I was just like looking for somebody to put it out. I, once again, like I had learned like a ton from illustrations and stuff. So I kind of had an idea of how to uh, go about sending your album to like say labels or uh, press outlets or whatever, I guess just straight up cold emailing them. Uh, so that's what I did. And uh, we put it online just for fun. Like this was all for fun. Like Portrayal of Guilt started for fun uh, as a side project. And then we put out the seven inch and, or we put out the seven inch with Alex who does Miss the Stars records. And I don't know, like fucking people heard it and liked it. And I just completely let go of illustrations at that point and was just like, dude, this is fun. Let's just fucking do this. So I basically just took everything I learned from shit. When I was 16, like first joined my first band and then everything I had learned with illustrations about promoting or art direction or fucking anything really. Um, and just applied it to what we were doing. And so, uh, at, at, from that point, it was just, it's literally just me testing things out and just doing things for fun. And uh, I don't know, it just sort of like, it just honestly sort of just took off. Like, look, but luckily, like, yeah, it was just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said uh, you said that um, you were testing things out and, and you said you were applying things that you learned. So, um, you, so once you had established like wait this is something that people are really interested in did you then um start directing like the aesthetic and directing the choices that you're making like uh as far as like the releases and stuff you were going to do like more like were they more aimed than initially or what or was this con concept like there straight out of the box um, I, I, that's a good question. Uh, I don't, you know, so the artwork on the first seven inch that we did, um, the, the artist was recommended to me by Alex. Um, and so I didn't know who it was at all, but I like, I had looked up their artwork and, and it, it was amazing. And so I was like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. And so, uh, uh, they had sent it and and I had seen it and I was like, wow, this is actually, this is actually amazing. So uh, we just kind of went with that. I think as far as like the logo and everything and all of that, I mean, it's I mean, clearly it comes from a place of like an obsession with like bands like Page 99. I mean, you know what I mean? You know. Mm -hmm like the lowercase and like the little rectangle logo and stuff that's definitely like you know directly uh like a page 99 sort of like reference or like a more i see it more as like a tip of the cap to like the best to do it in my opinion sure um you know and and they weren't a band you know after uh, you know like they hadn't been abandoned a long time and i was like man you know like it would be really cool to do something 
you know, similar to that art style. It was just such a DIY aesthetic and like art style that I, you know, was just like, let's just go with this. You know, it's obviously very clearly reminiscent of their logo, you know, but uh, it's it's not meant to be like a ripoff or anything like that because it's not because, I mean, we do not sound like Page 99. So it's just more of like a an artistic like tip of the cap to them. Yeah, sure. Um, but I wouldn't say that there was, we were like aiming for anything. It's just some sort of like a look that I was like, you know what, this kind of fits. So we just kind of went with that and that became the stamp. And like, uh, once we did that seven inch, like it, we didn't have really any plans, you know, or anything like that. Like we put, we did this seven inch and, uh, people liked it luckily and uh we were getting like i think the first pressing was like 200 or 300 or something like that and so we were only able to get like i don't know maybe 50 copies sent to us at a time or something like that and uh, at that time uh i think we we had a tour booked but it was an illustrations tour and we were going to do a tour on the new album but when everything sort of like imploded, I was like, you know, I was talking to James about it and I was like, you know what? We should just fucking do that tour, but we'll do it as portrayal of guilt. And we'll be just so, you know, we'll just do a tour right out the gate because there's already one booked. So we might as well just see if we can see if these, you know, people would be interested in, in having us rather than illustrations, I guess. And luckily we were able to, to work that out. Uh, and there were, there was enough, like, I guess, hype from this evidence to get people to come to the shows and stuff. So we just like basically like put out that seven inch and then like went on tour pretty much right away. We weren't, we, we had maybe like, I don't, I want to say only like three or four other songs written at the time aside from the three that were on the seven inch so our sets were really short but we just went and did it anyway also we sucked so bad like <laughs> we did not know what we were doing it was crazy like i think i i had i didn't even have lyrics for a couple of the songs that we were playing i was just winging it and but it was so fun and we met so many amazing people um but yeah, I don't know. It just after that kind of happened, and we got home from that tour, we were just like kind of hanging out uh, at our friend Rick's house, who was playing in the band. He was just I I can't remember if on that tour he was playing bass. No, he was he was doing noise. He was he was doing noise in the band for a while when we were a four piece. But we we were hanging out with, at his house one day, and I just got this email. Uh, and it was from Matt from Majority Rule, who, like, weeks before that, like, three weeks, maybe four weeks, I, I can't even remember. Uh, I, I guess I should preface that by saying, like, Majority Rule is, like, my favorite fucking band. Like, uh, the way they write, the way they sound, and just everything about them is just so fucking sick. It's just untouchable, in my opinion. So yeah. I, I had seen a video of them practicing. And like immediately when I saw that, I was like, "Yo, I gotta find the contact information for these guys. Uh, I gotta hit them up. I just want to send them our stuff because it, from what the video 
sort of, uh, I think there was obviously a caption to it, something about playing shows or coming back and playing shows or something. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I got to hit them up. I'll book them in Austin. Like, I'll book them, if anything. And, and maybe we can play. And then we can play with Majority Rule. That'd be fucking amazing. And so we're chilling on our friend Rick's house. And then I get an email and it's from Matt. And he's like, he's like, yo, uh, so I just found you guys a seven inch. It's, it's amazing, whatever. Uh, I just wanted to see, we're doing some reunion shows with page 99. I wanted to see if you guys would be down to play. And I just like my mouth just like fell to the fucking floor. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Cause I sent him an email like weeks before that. And it, I got no response. So I was like, Oh, of course. Like it, I, I understand. Like, you yeah. know, it, I, yeah. I know how it goes. Um, but to get that email and it's just like basically what was presented to us was like yo we really liked your album i haven't heard anything like this in quite a while we're doing some shows with page 99 are you interested and some of the shows were like in the u.s which ended up being those uh like the i think it was like the east coast run of shows that they had done mm -hmm. uh, but then another was europe too so it was like you want to do these shows with us at Page 99 in America and Europe? And we're just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. Honestly, unbelievable, really. Like, I think after I got that email, I was like, called up James. I was like, yo, man, pick up a case of beer. It's like, it's party time, basically. <laughs> like, we were so stoked. It was, it was unreal. But as far as the aim of and the direction of like where we wanted things to go because at the time we only had that seven inch out uh and like like no artwork really like i think maybe we had a shirt available or something like that but it was just uh it was just the logo or something like that um uh so what ended up coming from like that email was like what ended up happening is we were able to play one of the shows with both page 99 and majority role and that show was in new york and it was like i can't remember the fucking venue uh i can't remember the name of the venue off the top of my head right now but basically me and james drove there straight from here and played the show and that's when we were able to meet um matt and everybody from majority rule and then chris and blake and everybody from page 99 and just sort of like talk about things and hang out and like it was pretty amazing and like i so i had met chris that night and i think we had talked very briefly but what like Chris's art is, is is fucking timeless really like he there's nobody else like him like his art style is so amazing and again nobody his artwork is one of a kind like there will be no other uh but i had, at that show i think is when i had initially asked him i it was just kind of like hey so uh i think we're gonna do an album soon would you be interested in doing the artwork and he said yes and then from there we sort of kept in touch so i figured uh what like whatever he would bring to the table we would kind of just go with like still we didn't really have any ideas i can't even remember how active we even were at that time uh 
but we were like, I can't even really remember. I'd have to look at the fucking list of shows, but we were basically trying to tour as much as possible. So we basically went on tour immediately, and then we went to New York and played a couple shows there. One was the Page 99 Majority Rule shows, and then we booked another tour, and uh, that one we were able to do a couple of shows with Majority Rule. And on that tour, we stayed at Matt's house, who lives in Virginia, and he had a, or, well, I guess he doesn't live there anymore, but he had a studio in his basement. And he was just like, do you guys want to do some demos or something? And we were like, yeah, sure, because we had these songs that we hadn't recorded before. So we like played the show, I think we played a show in DC that night, and then we came home, and then the next morning we woke up and recorded like, I don't know, I think it was like six songs or whatever. And then, uh, after that uh he had asked if we just wanted to record there with him and we were just like yeah of course so we just like lined up some time to uh fly back maybe like a month later or something like that so we went home and like wrote the rest of the songs for that record flew to virginia and recorded all the songs with him i think we did it in like a day or two or something like that but i mean with all that being done, I can't even say that there was even sort of a direction, like with artistically or anything like that. Like seriously, like we were just winging it. It was just happening at the so very fast. beginning. Yeah, basically, like. Yeah. But the thing, but like at the time, we were, like, we all didn't really have too much going on, and uh, we all had the same thing in mind, which is like, well, we should we should take this seriously. We, you know, it's. We might as well, you know, go full, full blown, like serious with it. And so we did. And the way I had felt about it was like, I feel like I was like, we just need a tour. Like we just need to tour as much as we possibly can, because that's something that we did not do in illustrations. And I feel like that kind of contributed to why that band was kind of like stagnant and, and just didn't really do too much. Like, we had toured a couple of times, but not, like... And we, we were always trying to figure out, like, how do we get on other bands' tours? And, like, how do we do that? And we never really figured that out. So, uh, you know, doing these shows with Portray Like Out, like, I think we went on the second tour, like, fucking maybe a month or two after... The first one, which we just jumped into completely blindly. I'm trying to sort of, I'm trying to look at my phone to scroll down to, to <laughs> yeah. when that even was. Um, let's see here if I can get to it quickly. Yeah, it's, it's just so, it just, it did happen very quickly. It was uh, quite a lot to deal with. Okay, so, yeah, so it looks like here that we did our first tour. March, April, May, in June of 2017. And that was the one that we replaced illustrations. And I think even before that tour, we had already lined up the shows with Majority Rule uh, and that one show with Page 99. Um, after that, we did a couple of shows a month later with this band called Street Sex, uh, who's also from Austin, and then this band Planning for Burial. Um, around that time, I oh, I remember also 
also booking a few shows been Bleach Everything, who is fronted by uh, the dude who run or ran Magic Bullet, who oh, did right. like I guess Page ninety nine and, and Majority Role in his band. Um, so we did a couple of shows with them, and then after that came the show with Page ninety nine. Let's see. Oh, and then after that, Jeremy from Touche had hit us up maybe like two months after i guess or maybe we did the shows with bleach everything in i guess august or september i guess it was september and then jeremy from touche had hit me up uh about playing a couple of shows with them basically like the texas shows of their tour they were doing at the time with i think it was single mothers and gouge away Oh, okay. And we were lucky enough to get on a couple of those, both in Austin and Houston. And, uh, damn, yeah, I, not too long after that, uh, we did an East Coast and Canada tour. And that was the first time we had gone to Canada. And that was only like three months after our first tour or something like that. did you went back and you recorded your lp um with with matt and um Mm -hmm. and like so from your first release uh what it says uh may 2017 until um the new album comes out uh next month um you've you've like released an lp um five five splits slash like um uh like well one of them's not exactly a split it's a collaboration yeah yeah and then like the the um the other like i guess ep that y'all put out um oh yeah uh so you said you played some shows with street sex and then you had that split so was it on that tour that y'all decided you wanted to do like a collaboration? Uh, I think I would say. Oh, you mean the tour that we did with Street Sex? Yeah. Recently or somewhat recently? Yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I think throughout the entire existence of like Portrayal of Guilt, before that, I was living with both Sean and Leo from Street Sex, so like. We had like known each other well, I guess, at that point. But we had always talked about like either collaborating or tour like the touring thing has always been in our minds basically. Cause we we I think we played yeah, it was two shows, one of which was like out of town, and so we like 
uh, rented a van and drove together and like we were able to hang out and it was pretty fun and we were like man we should, we should do this again so uh, from that point it's just always been kind of like an idea to, to do something together and uh, when we were finally able to line it up which I guess was like last year or well I guess it was last January when we did that um, it was just a long time coming, I guess. There was like somebody that was asking some questions online if they knew anybody, any bands that had done a split with a band more than once. And I was, I remember I'm like, when I initially saw that, I was like, they, they fucking did it. They just did it, didn't they? Like they did a split <laughs> with a band twice. It, it, so it's kind of, I don't know if you'd consider that like, uh, that's some. So I was like, hmm, kind of, but not really, because it's a, you know, more of a collaboration. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, so, so um, some of the things that, you know, you've done uh, that are really, like, fascinating, and I think, like, people have picked up on them um, really, in really huge ways, is, um, like, some of the, I don't know, I don't want to call them, like, marketing ideas or whatever. That's, like, such a a bad term but I don't I don't know how what to you know what what to describe it as but like yeah how did you you know what was the impetus for like coming up with like call this number and you can hear a new song and and you know some of the things that you've done to like you know uh peak a, a different kind of um like um it it feels really um like involved you know like to get involvement yeah. from people not just like to get people's attention but to interact with them in this in this other way than bands are used to like how did you come right. up with that idea and how did you figure out like how to do that um well the phone number thing uh that i mean first of all that was really fun to do um at this point i guess we've done it like twice maybe three times but okay, i thought so but i wasn't uh, um let's see i mean because I, I guess i was just sitting thinking sometime at some point and uh you know there's definitely like hotlines out there i was sort of intrigued by the the sort of hotline 1-800 whatever hotline idea and you call and uh like i th th i mean it's been it's the, the phone number thing like that's I mean, obviously been done, you know, by people throughout years and years. It's it's just a thing, but it's not a very common thing, I, I guess. Because um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Justin Bieber did it, like, not too long before I figured it out. Um, but basically, I, initially I wanted it to be something like that, but I wanted to, like, fully customize the number, but I wasn't even able to do that. And... Uh, I wanted you to be able to call it and dial a number to to do something and, or dial another number to do something else mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, at the time, I, I was just like researching it. I What I ended up doing for that is I, through the, the service that I use uh, for our website, our domain name, basically, they have like other businesses or whatever. And one of them is like a toll free kind of number, like a business phone number kind of thing. Um, and, 
that's kind of just all it is. It's just a business, having a business phone number, like a toll-free business number that people can call and they don't have to pay, uh, basically. And so what I did is just uh, bought the toll-free number and set it the set it to do not disturb so it would go right to voicemail and you're able to upload music or anything mp3 or wave or whatever you can upload whatever you want and uh so i was like shit well fuck i mean i I think i figured it out around the time that our album was coming out um like when we were sort of like introducing the first couple of songs and i was just kind of like thinking you know like how can how can we uh you know get our music out there a little bit more because i think we had initially gotten like a premiere too for the first couple of songs and like that's cool but it's like not very engaged like you said like it's just not very engaging with people it's just kind of like hey we have this new song and it's Mm -hmm. on this website so you can listen to it if you want yeah uh so i figured like fuck it i'll i'll throw one of the new songs onto this toll-free phone number and just post the phone number and like not even or i think i I initially was just like new song call now and that's it and like sure enough i get like a thousand calls and uh (laughs) and it like kind of went viral but by pure chance uh but it's I don't know. It was fun. It was just kind of like it was just like a an idea that I had in the back of my in the back of my mind, and I was just able to figure it out, and like it just kind of worked. Um, but I, I definitely like the idea of being more engaged with like friends and people that are into what we're doing, rather than just you know blatantly posting the song with nothing there. Um, I, I guess I had done something like that recently, except. Uh, I had made it was more of like a uh, like a uh, narration of something rather than a song so it was just like using the idea twice but we hadn't done it in a couple years so it was like a little more fresh than than before but uh, I don't know I, I mean I guess you know like I remember like starting our pages and stuff like that you know like on instagram or fucking twitter facebook or whatever Mm -hmm. and as like i am obsessed you know with the band it just in general like i love the songs i love the music i like uh i love the art i i'm just obsessed with it it's amazing i and i'm like just happy and grateful that people like it but i'm also obsessed with the idea of trying to get it out there um maybe in a a little more creative way um and i also have become or i at the very beginning of the band and this was a running joke and this has been a running joke and it still exists to this day but it's like what if what if like why what's stopping us from being the biggest band in the world like that i'm sure so many people say the same thing like what what's stopping you from being the biggest band ever or just in general you know like how do you how do you make that happen how does that happen and like that brings a lot of other questions to mind like you know 
let's say like screamo within screamo diy uh, heavy music loud music music with screaming stuff like that obnoxious stuff basically mm-hmm. how how do you um i guess how do you normalize that style of music uh to just i guess i let's just say the masses like because normally it like people that don't know what you know say screamo or metal or punk music and any of that stuff is they're not generally listening to it and if it comes on the radio they're like oh god like this screaming music because it's we all know that when we're going home for christmas and stuff our parents or our families is just like you still doing the whole screaming band music stuff <laughs> yeah it's embarrassing <laughs> so it's like <clears throat> this entire time just like man you know what it would be really cool if there was a way to sort of like be a heavy band and you know make that accessible all around so that's kind of just the general idea i've sort of been obsessed with so things like that phone number and say you know like something that i had started doing recently is like making flyers for our album and making them available to print out and you know if you if you go and, and you post our uh you know you print out our flyer for for the album and go anywhere you want in town and post it up and just send us a picture of it whatever uh like we'll send you the album for free like on cd but uh you know being more involved like in a street team sense that's another thing that i feel like hasn't been done in quite a while like the whole street team thing yeah um so i don't know like uh on the creative side and like i guess it would be technically marketing um stuff like that uh it's just sort of interesting like the the thing that's so crazy is like this whole thing has just been kind of like an idea and like literally anything goes so we're just kind of going with the flow like trying stuff out seeing what works seeing what doesn't work and just kind of going with it it's just i don't know yeah i was gonna say you you said that you were that your idea was how do you make this as like how do you normalize this to people that like don't listen to this or whatever but then i thought i felt like wait a minute so so making this accessible to the masses and your next step was making a horror movie out of <laughs> what, um. well it's it's let's just say like the ideas within i get like it, it's mainly just me sitting here and i'm just like uh i've been more consumed with work lately but times like these when like say we have an album coming out obviously so uh, i'm i'm always thinking of things to do to like promote the album there's like a lot of there's a whole mess of ideas and things and projects uh, you know that are are always just up in the air or something or things that we're working on this and this and this with the 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 video that we just did uh i mean 
like first and foremost like something that i'm personally just interested in is you know scoring say like movies and stuff like that yeah specifically horror movies i i just really like the score to those a lot of those just because that kind of music kit like makes you legitimately feel something because when you're watching a movie and like it gets loud really quickly you jump you get scared and like sometimes there will be uh, scenes in movies with music that gives you anxiety it, like makes you think it makes you worried or scared or weird it's like like i remember being like seven years old eight years old and it was like halloween one year and like my dad like threw on some like i think it was the it, it was like the Halloween scary sounds CD or record or whatever. And that shit made me cry. Like I was scared, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I've just kind of always wanted to do that. And that's kind of something that I've wanted or something that I've been trying to keep within of what we're doing as far as musically, like um, something getting more creative with the sounds if we can uh, stuff like that but uh, as far as the video that we just did um, the general idea definitely was kind of like a horror sort of style movie the like it ended up being like a double music video so it's like for two songs but mm -hmm. that kind of happened last minute uh, the guy who directed it Craig Murray uh, he he basically like initially the song it was supposed to only be for the first song that's that's in the video but then he he went out and shot it and was just like hey so would you guys be open to doing two songs for this video because i have more footage than i need or i have more footage than i had anticipated and we were just like yeah that sounds cool because then you know it's like uh it it acts more as a short film and kind of brings the idea of it being its own sort of little horror film uh, to the front of, of uh, I guess, of what it is. Yeah. Which is more exciting, really. I mean, because I didn't even think of that at all. I mean, it was like we wanted a, it to be like a creepy horror uh, vibe for sure. But it having it end up being what it is is just pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, um, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm sure everybody that's going to be listening to this has already seen it, but if not, um, definitely look that up. Um, so what? Um, the the so the new album "We're Always Alone" comes out on January 29th. Um, what? Mm -hmm. What can you tell people about like the process or, um, like? I mean, people know what to expect, I suppose, by now. Um, but, um, like, were there things that you did differently um, that that like make this feel like a a whole a whole new thing, or is it just you just were like, yeah, we're gonna write the best record that we can, and um, I, well initially so for the say the record or the ep that we did i guess most recently or actually 
Well, the EP and the two splits that we did after the EP were all recorded in our practice space. Um, so that was kind of the idea at first, that we were just going to do the record in our practice space. But we... Um, I guess it's crazy to even think about this, but like we had to come home early in March for on our tour because of COVID, mm-hmm. and um, that sort of sidelined us because our initial plan was to come home and record the album just in our practice space. But because of COVID, our practice space got shut down, and we basically had to pull all of our gear out of there. Either we would have kept our gear there and we wouldn't have been had any access to it, or we had to pull our gear out and just uh, you know, and we and do whatever we can keep it at our house or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, right when we realized that our practice space was going to be shut down, we were like, "Oh fuck! Like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, we're going to have to push recording and and whatnot, and that'll kind of derail our." set plans that we had already had in motion but uh luckily uh, our friend phil who recorded the album he got in touch with someone here in town who i guess lost business because of covid pretty this was like pretty much right when it happened mm-hmm. and he has a studio here and uh so the dude lost business and so I guess we took his lost business, so we became his business to replace the lost business. So we were just lucky enough to be able to go into an actual studio, which is amazing. The studio is incredible, um, and so we like we we did not intend on recording in a studio situation, but it just ended up being that way, which is probably why. I mean, I I think it sounds amazing. I think it sounds great definitely the best sounding stuff that we have out i i i would say mm-hmm. um so that's definitely one thing uh that stands out in my opinion is just like the the quality is just like a real recording in a studio quality mm-hmm. so that's cool but we had written those songs we definitely wrote those songs before we had left on that tour um as far as doing anything differently like yeah i mean we really just did our best like because we're always writing music like basically our intention pre-covid you know pre i mean it's pretty crazy to think about again like we had multiple tours lined up throughout the year crazy shit like that i'm holding back tears even thinking about that we had to give up because of the shit um but with the, sh- it, with the shambles that were left from um things going wrong and whatnot i guess uh became a good thing because we were able to record in studio and had a little bit more time to work on instruments and uh, I, I definitely was lucky enough to have more time in the studio for vocals, which is something that usually I feel kind of rushed doing. Um, but we we were just trying different stuff. And then also we for this album, we were able to work with uh, our friend Mac, who he has his own noise projects, but he does a project called God is War, 
terror cell unit, uh, Kufar. He's just in the underground noise realm. He's killing it. It's incredible. And uh, I usually, for like the past albums and like for our shows and stuff, all of the noise stuff I just do at home. But because of being so busy with the touring and uh, just like basically getting back to work when we're home and between tours and stuff, I don't have too much time to work on that. So I figured, you know, I'm a fan of this dude's music. And so, you know, maybe he could collaborate with us on the album and kind of take it to the next level, which uh, we were lucky enough that he he was down to do that. And uh, throughout the album, all of the noise is him. And it's not even generally stuff that sounds like him it's uh it's definitely something new and and i think that's really cool because it, it brings more it definitely brings more of like a a darker spookier vibe uh to the album itself i think um but yeah i don't know like it's there was like there was just so much going on before i i, I can't say that we're trying to like do anything to next level as far as like music wise like we just write these songs and we go record these songs like usually we are ahead um on writing and recording like uh like right now we already have uh, a release that's already recorded to come after the lp and we're already halfway into the lp to follow the one that's coming out in in January, so hopefully next year we'll have two LPs out. So we're just like, I don't know, we're just writing songs and then just putting them out. And uh, I'm just having fun with like the, um, you know, the promoting and the, the the stuff like that. It's it's just we're just lucky enough to be in a position to where um, we are able to do literally anything that we want. Um, you know, no, I've never had to work with somebody that's, you know, been on the fence about what we're doing or like isn't cool with like or just like want things to look a specific way. Like it's always just been what we want and, and it, that I feel very fortunate to been able to to do that. And I'm I mean, obviously, we're all fortunate that yeah, people like it, too. And that was my conversation with Matt King. Thanks so much, Matt, for taking the time to chat with me. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some bonus episodes with some end-of-the-year wrap-ups with some of my favorite people. Make sure you're listening for those. If you've been enjoying the show and you'd like to support us, you can visit patreon.com slash middlemanrecords. Thanks always. Until next time, take care and do good things.